Welcome to episode 74 of Psychotherapy. I am Jet Dunlap. I was going to welcome you again, but I already welcomed you, so nice try. I'm not going to welcome you twice. I want to rhyme that and say it's nice. I haven't done my little rhyming all the time and thing in a while. Anyway, in this episode, we are... <laughs> okay, you know how I can't help but tell you every little detail, the minutia that no one signed up for, but I can't seem to stop myself from blabbing about? Well, originally this episode was a single episode. I recorded it in a very rainy day in my new studio, which does not need any more information than that because I've talked about studios a little too much. I wanted it to be a single episode, but midway through this episode, about 14, 16 minutes, it'll be about the first episode you're going to listen to right now is going to be like with this probably someone. Why am I telling you this? You don't care. Never mind. The beginning of this episode was relevant. It made sense. And it really blends into the last few episodes. There's an elephant in the room. And of course, you know, I want to talk about a literal elephant, but a literal elephant or literal? I'm not going to, even though I just did. I am not going to pretend that what's going on in the world right now is not acute. And it's also an opportunity for me to address things that under this heightened tension have more resonance than they would if I had to give you a mental experiment. So you are living in a world right now where what you are feeling is so acute that uh, it doesn't require example. So that's why I go into it. In this episode, I cover a couple topics that I've gone over a little bit, but one of them was that your friend's fear is not your fear, and your friend's insecurities are not a cure to your insecurities. In the last episode, 73, yeah, 73, I went off a little too much on group calls and meetings. I'm not going to say what meeting company it is because I gave them too much free advertising in the last one, but group meetings in a video capacity on your computer. I think what I was trying to say is I worry that that could be a source of anxiety for you. And that mostly happens on these types of calls is it's a shared anxiety. It's very hard for people at this moment to group up and not air their fears. Now, being that this show is mostly for, I shouldn't say mostly, it's for everyone. But being that the original focus of the show was for people who suffer from anxiety, depression, and other issues like that, when I give advice, it's to that base. So... I'm trying to keep those people from being negatively affected by what's going on in the world around them. I'm not trying to shelter you. I'm not trying to insulate you. I'm trying to protect you. And I've given you enough reasons for that based in therapy, uh, you know, the practice of psychotherapy and not my show where the words are separated. Psychology, the fact that you need to worry about your life and realize that the fears of other people don't affect you unless you let them. And that's not good for the folks that are mostly listening to the show. So that's where I'm coming from. But if you love grouping up on these conference calls and it brings you pleasure, it does wonders for your psyche, and it increases your quality of life, by all means, do it. Anything that doesn't harm other people, doesn't harm yourself, and makes you feel joy, do it. That's, uh, that's something that should be very obvious, but if you didn't know that, there you go. Now you know. I hope that in my last episode, I wasn't turning you off to that. In my world, I don't want 30 different opinions about 
in, in specific to the conference calls and video calls that go on in my family, I don't want a lot of people's insecurities to affect me and affect what I can do on this show. Also, I'm hypersensitive to it. So the reason I don't watch news and uh, stay off the news feeds on Facebook is that I can read tone, I can read intent, and I can read intention better than just about anyone I know. That is what I was taught by the mentors I've had in my life and what I've experienced in the jobs. And it's just, I've had a very specific life that has made me very good at that. And it's nature and nurture. I was also born that way. So for me, knowing where people are really coming from, platitudes and insecure kind of, oh, it'll be okay, is just as negative for me as if they were saying bad things. So that's where I'm coming from and why I stay away from But I don't want to keep you from something that brings you joy. I already said that. It's done. There you go. I just wanted to specify. So this episode is a shorter version than it would have originally been that you would have never known about unless I just told you, but I still think has a lot of value. I also give you some advice on getting the best information by going to books, listening to audios, listening to a quality podcast that will give you information that's not the biased stuff you get from your family. However, and I do mention this later, if you have someone in your family who you know has great advice or a friend and that benefits you, of course, utilize that, especially when you're going through something that is difficult for you to handle on your own. With that said, this is episode 74 of Psychotherapy. I'm Jet Dunlap. Thank you so much for listening. And here we go. Did I spend just a tiny bit too much time in the last episode on conference calls and video calls? Well, ultimately, that comes down to you to decide whether or not I, uh, well, maybe uh, I indulge my frustration a bit talking about how I uh, don't like to be minorly inconvenienced by these uh, mechanisms that people use to hedge against their uh, fears during this kind of a period. So that is to say that if you are gaining a lot from doing these new exercises in your life, like having a more continuous communication with the people you care about through video or audio, then it is not my place to say that that is not good. For me, and I think I've made this more clear than it needs to be. But then, I, of course, I'm referring to the last episode where I spoke about how bothered I was by the mere invitations of having to go and listen to a uh, Zoom call or be on these group texts. For me, it is a way of spreading what will inevitably be fear in the sense that today, even with my mother, she's reaching out to me and she's saying, this uncle has a strep throat, this aunt thinks she has the disease, this cousin is afraid he's ill. I don't believe, and this is based on knowledge and based on training, but it is not for me to place into your life. I don't believe that knowing that everyone around you is dealing with their own fears and their own, you know, I mean, hypochondria is going to be at a high during this period. I don't think that'll help your coping with this. But by that same notion, you may think me to be callous in saying that it is better to kind of remove yourself from that. 
Don't remove yourself from your family. In some of your cases, this is something that makes you feel much better, knowing even that your uncle, aunt, brother, sister, husband, wife is feeling a certain way, gives you a way to come and deal with that, uh, and that's beneficial. I come from a place on this show of trying to protect my audience's psyche from group fear, whether that's been on social media, which I've mentioned so many times that you want to hit yourself in the head with a baseball bat, and I don't fault you for that because I have mentioned a lot, but whatever group fear is out there, I'm trying to resist. However, if you are an instrument of sanity because you have found the right place and vantage point to look at this, then you being involved in these groups is the lighthouse I was describing in episode 72 that you could actually help people. And in that case, definitely do that. Definitely go in and inject a kind of levity, a kind of rational sense into these situations. When I was speaking about it last time, I'm speaking to the folks that are in a place right now of high anxiety, high stress, and high tension. You need to take care of yourself first before you can start looking out for other people in your family. And your mind's going to wander into worst case. And if you do that, and then you're spreading that information, that is only going to come back to you tenfold. And it's also going to harm the psyche of the people around you. If you need help, so for instance, if you're struggling to an extreme degree and you need to talk to someone, find that person in your life who is the rock. Find that, not literally the rock, he's probably busy working out and still making some kind of movie. They're going to have to make a Fast and Furious 12. So not the rock, but find that person who is completely solid that you know and discuss it with them, you know, because in order to exercise these feelings, if you are in this situation that are attacking your anxiety, you need to find someone who's in a place where that is not going to be their headspace, right? A drowning man cannot save a drowning person. You need to have a life raft. Someone does. So whether that's a man or a woman, find that person and reach out to them or listen to this kind of stuff. You know, I don't need to tell you to listen to the show because you're listening to it right now. But in the case for me, in my life, I am the advisor in nearly all the circles. I would even say all the circles, but I'm leaving room for me not seeing something. But for the most part, I'm the person who gives advice and the person that people come to on a daily basis to get help. So I don't have anyone I can go to. So what do I do? And that makes sense. You know, I've been in the self-help world since I was 17 years old. And uh, I'm now, you know, 30 for the second time. And so that's the way it is. But when I have my psyche going out of balance, I have to listen to the books, like I said, by Eckhart Tolle, or there's a number of books that I just can't remember the name of the authors for. Um, Or I'll even, you know, do some studying, or I'll look at not only audio, but the books I used to read. I'm reading As a Man Thinketh by James Allen again. So I'll ground myself in my teachings or even my notes, and then I'll go back. So I will make sure that I'm not in a place where the advice I'm giving is so one-sided or based on my fears that it could actually do more harm than good. So for instance, in the last episode, and again, you guys already know a lot of this is anecdotal, and you can tell when my tone goes to that place. But in the last episode where I was complaining about these conference calls, (laughs) 
that was a little bit curmudgeonly and a little bit Hermanly. And Hermanly is a good friend of mine. He's my neighbor. <laughs> like I would know. He's not really. That's that's a play on words. That is a place that works for me. When I was very young, not even very young, in my 20s, people always described me as an extrovert. And isn't it interesting how we become the thing that people describe us as without really self-analyzing or getting professional analyzation and just say, oh, okay, so someone told me I'm an extrovert. I mentioned in one of the episodes that someone said I look good in earth tones, greens, grays, browns, blacks, and uh, my entire life, including exactly what I'm wearing right now, black shoes, gray pants, green jacket, green beanie. I fell into that look because I was told that was what I was. And then later, Gina's like, oh, you look good in color. Silly example, but it's a very strong example as to how a lot of who we define ourselves as came to us through really just kind of casual conversation. And I say all of that to say, after a lot of analysis over the last five years living in the situation I do now, I found that although I can be very extroverted, so if you met me, and a lot of you have, and we're in a group environment, there's going to be a desire from the people who I've known all these years to kind of look to me for talking and humor and all that stuff. So I end up being the center of attention. <laughs> it started as something as a kid that I desired, and then it just ended up being a thing because that's my reputation. Also, I don't like being bored. So if I'm in a situation where it is boring, I'm going to become more interesting just because that's how I am. You know these people, that's how I am. So when someone sees me in these environments, they'll think, oh my God, this guy's extroverted. He's the center of attention. He's the funniest guy in the room. Now, that's a little boastful, but I am. Uh, it's okay. <laughs> if it's true, it's just information. You can hear me smiling there, so forgive me. That is how I looked at myself for a very long time. And then I thought, well, wait a second. And maybe you want to do this while you're in this situation. Do I want to be around people right now? And this, I took this analysis a long time ago before the quarantine. But do I miss being around people? And I found I didn't. And that doesn't mean I don't like people. That doesn't mean I don't enjoy their company. But left to my own devices, I really like my habits. I need, I'm using the word need specifically, nature. I need to walk, run, be outside. I need to be under the sun. That is a very strong need of mine. I've always had that. I don't like being in offices. I don't like being in homes. My house is this tiny little reverse fishbowl because it's all surrounded in glass. It's called the Pace Arrow View RV. So the view was the one with the biggest windows. So I'm never more than two feet away from a window. And I can see out this giant window uh, of the front of our RV to my area. So even when it's raining, there's just natural glow all day long. I need that. But do I need people live to see me? No. I have my wife. But even when I was living on my own in my early 20s, I didn't have that extreme desire to see folks. I have a lot of I guess my own entertainment in my head being ADD, I like to write, I like to take in stimuli, whether that is uh, audiobooks, which I listen to constantly, podcasts, TV, streaming, stuff like that. And when I say TV, I mean streaming. I always put that prerequisite out there just because I want to make sure you guys understand I'm not getting commercials and uh, I'm not getting local news, which I really see as toxic. But it took me a long time to figure that out. Maybe I look good in bright colors and maybe I'm not an extrovert. It's just that I enjoy that spontaneous environment where I get to entertain, where I get to bring a better quality of life to people, where I get to make them laugh and smile, and then I go away. When I did stand-up, it was that way. When I did my show, it's that way. Even in this case, right? 
I do my thing and then I retreat back to my environment. Now it's a great situation for me to be in the place of analysis. So helping folks and uh, also helping people on a one-on-one basis. I had to look at myself as a extrovert and see if that really was who I was. In this kind of isolation with family or by yourself right now, you have a really extraordinary opportunity to go inside, right? Most of the exploration I've done in my life has not been going to France or Italy or all these exotic locations, unless you live there. And it's not exotic at all, but it has been going inside and exploring the human condition since I was a child. I had a natural aptitude for that. I had a natural desire, but also my disabilities and my and my childhood made me have to explore that as a preservational piece, right? But you have that opportunity right now to see who you are and explore who you are and figure out, maybe I've been doing this job because I got out of high school, went to college, held my breath, and have never looked back. Maybe. I want to do something else. Maybe I've been doing XYZ forever just based on the fact that just like Jet, someone one time said he looked good in earth tones and there he is wearing the same color clothes forever. Silly example, right? But it's true. Someone says that about your career. A a professor or a friend says something at the exact right moment in your life that puts you down a path that one day, and that day probably happened during this isolation, you go, is this a career I want? Now, one of the benefits of a down economy, one of the benefits of a shifting marketplace is that if it's going to be hard to get a job in the future, maybe you're one of the lucky ones and it won't be, but if it's going to be hard to get a job in the future or more difficult or a different kind of opportunity to get a job in the future, maybe this is an opportunity for you to say, what would I do if I could do anything? Because if it's going to be hard to get a job doing something I don't like, and it's also going to be hard getting a job doing something I have always wanted to do, why don't I pick my hard and that hard be the thing that I'm passionate about? Something I may even love. If you come out of this and you've never been better, or you come out of this, you have a taste for life that you never did before, or if you're in it right now and you're just like, wow, I get to look at me for the first time, then why would we call it a bad thing? The labeling of it is really what's going to determine your interpretation of it. Okay, so that's where we're going to end on this episode. Please join us in our next episode. Episode 75 will be about a dream I had. There's been a theme of that recently. That gave me an insight in the way to look at your life in a new light. Sure. How many times you've said that yet? It's from a perspective that we wouldn't normally think to use. And I think it'd be very beneficial. That episode will start after this. So if you just let this play, you'll hear it next.